You're listening to the Greeks Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadulu. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Greeks Gridiron. It is May 6th, 2021, and it has been a pretty slow week in the NFL. Not a whole lot to really talk about going on right now. There's more Aaron Rodgers drama. Uh, I mean, and there's like just like a few things that have popped up here and there. So probably won't be a particularly long show. Long show. I put uh, a little bit of something together towards the end of the show. So we're not just talking about like the random news that's going on throughout the entirety of the league. Uh, but my question of the day for you all that I have is next week is going to be the release of the NFL schedule, the official dates and everything for when teams are going to be playing. Uh, and the real question that everyone seems to be having is what is going to be the opening game of the year, that first Thursday night game that they always have every single season. I'm very curious as to what it's going to be. Um, if I was to guess, I, a lot of people are saying this too, and and I didn't really look at the schedule too much, but this this one popped up on me, and when I kind of glazed over it really quickly, uh, Buffalo and Tampa Bay would be one hell of a Super Bowl. You know, we were this close to having it. If the Buffalo Bills had beat out the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, that would have been quite a game to see as well. So. I mean, I would definitely be interested in seeing something along the lines of Buffalo going up against Tampa Bay that very first week one on that Thursday night game. I think it would be a really good, you know, offensive firepower type of game where you have really good defenses as well. Both of the teams had pretty solid off seasons to kind of retool and re, you know, just kind of rebuild themselves up and get ready to run it back again for another playoff chase. So I would be interested in seeing that. I would love to see what you guys think down in the comment section below. And uh, just as a reminder, as always, if you enjoy the content here on YouTube and you enjoy watching, make sure you like, comment, share the stream, subscribe, whatever it is you want to do. Um, for those of you who may listen into the podcast, this is a live show. So if you're actually listening to this recorded later on, uh, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, whatever it may be, this is live on YouTube every Monday and Thursday at 5 p.m. I feel like I don't talk about that enough. And I know I have a few people here here and there listening on those services, but I don't think I ever mentioned that this is a live show. So uh, be sure to check us out on YouTube if you're wa wa not watching, but listening on any other one of those platforms there. You can come find me every Monday and Thursday at 5 p.m. Now, let's just dive into this Packers and Aaron Rodgers drama because there is just so much going on with this situation. It's honestly really unfortunate that it's kind of turned into what it has. It's almost just like a he said, she said sort of thing. And at this point, it's kind of getting exhausting. And with some of the stuff that's coming out about just like how the whole thing got brought up, I'm kind of confused about this whole thing now at this point because I was very in on the idea that Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to be a Packer next year. They're going into this next season. But now there's a, it sounds like there might even be a possibility that he's not going to be going anywhere and that there is a way for these two to kind of figure out their issues and just, you know, hash it out, whether that's a long-term extension, whatever it may be, and move forward together. So we'll just kind of round up first like the the drama filled things that have kind of spun out the last few days here uh apparently Aaron Rodgers and this is just from like anonymous sources everything that I'm about to say is pretty much anonymous sources so take everything with a grain of salt but this is what everyone's reporting about Rodgers in group text has apparently referred to GM Gutekunst as Jerry Cross the former Bulls GM who had issues with Michael Jordan back in the day and ultimately broke up that Bulls team that was so legendary for its time uh, you know this has led to people trying to call call out Aaron Rodgers for you know considering himself like a Michael Jordan of the NFL and you know that that's a whole narrative that I think has spun completely out of control uh, you know and we'll get into that a little bit more because 
Aaron Rodgers isn't even the reason that all this is being leaked or talked about right now. On top of that, this is per Mike Garofolo's sources. Aaron Rodgers has apparently been telling prospective Packers free agents for quite some time he did not expect to be back in 2021. Some people kind of have looked at this as like, oh, he's sabotaging the team. But I mean, maybe to an extent, but also why would he lie? If anyone's reaching out to him asking, you know, hey, you know, what's the deal? Are you going to be there next year? Because I mean, this has stemmed back a year now. Ever since Jordan Love got drafted, I think everyone's kind of known there's some sort of animosity. And obviously with everything going on, it's sort of really spun out of control. But I mean, if someone's going to reach out to him and ask him, you know, hey, are you going to be there next year? There's no reason for him to lie. So and he just doesn't seem like the type of person that's, you know, he's trying to like, you know, screw the Packers over by, you know, telling people, yeah, I ain't going to be here, man. You shouldn't sign here either. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like it doesn't, that doesn't seem like Aaron Rodgers based off the interviews I've seen from him and just the demeanor he has. It does not seem like him. On top of that, Brett Favre in an interview stated that his gut's telling him that he thinks Aaron Rodgers is done with Green Bay. He had a really quick, short conversation with him. Uh, Rodgers thanked him for reaching out and told him he'll get back to him once this whole thing is sorted. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like the biggest things that are being spun right now and just talked about, you know, it, it, this is, it's kind of getting to be like a little bit ridiculous and I'm tired of talking about it on the show. And I really hope that this whole thing gets sorted out soon. I would really like if, you know, we got to a point where, you know, either the Packers or Aaron Rodgers or somebody just came out and said something, whether it's, you know, they're negotiating through deals. I know it was mentioned like a month or so ago that they were, but nothing has gotten done and nothing's been said since. So it's been like radio silence from both of those sides. So if they are speaking right now, it would be nice if they could just kind of like joint statement release, hey, you were trying to sort this whole thing out here. So, you know, if things are being leaked and narratives are being spun, because like the GM keeps having to answer questions, the coach keeps answering questions, the whole thing is kind of annoying at this point I would love for them to just be like hey guys we're working on this right now so like just let it be um, because up until a few days ago I was full-blown Rogers is probably going to Denver and now at this point I don't even really know what's going on um, it came out earlier today Adam Schefter was talking on the Dan Patrick show and stated that he didn't even have like a like a credible source or anything for why Rodgers wanted to leave or that Rodgers wanted to leave it was just a matter of oh this is like news that I've been gathering over the course of the few weeks of offseason so far and he just decided to kind of bring out a whole report about it on the NFL draft day and now I've seen a lot of people go after Aaron Rodgers for saying that he was trying to like steal the draft show and everything and it ultimately turned out to be Adam Schefter was just pushing a story and the way he quotes it saying oh, you know, I, I, it just happened to be on draft day when that came out. That doesn't just happen to be on draft day. That's ridiculous. What do you mean that just happened to be on draft day? No, you, like there was intention to that because it's a big, it's one of the biggest days of the year that's not the Super Bowl in the playoffs for the NFL. Like it just happened to release on draft day. Like that's not how that happens. No, man, like you were trying to push a narrative. You were pushing a story, whether it was for somebody's benefit or not, or if it was just him trying to get a big story going, heading into the draft, whatever the case may be. Um, that was ridiculous, especially if it wasn't that somebody didn't come up to him and say, you know, hey, this is going on. You should report about this. It was, oh, I just woke up that morning and decided I was going to report on that story. Like, what even is that? I don't I don't understand. What even is that? Uh, and then outside of that, 
Um, I, John Kuhn was saying uh, that he believes that, you know, Roger will not, this is from conversations, not that he believes, but this is conversations he's had with Rogers. Um, you know, Rogers is conflicted with his feelings about how he feels towards the team and everything that's going on. Um, but he's also said, but he loves being a Packer, but then is also saying that he thinks there's like a 70 to 75% chance that Rogers is in green Bay next year. Well, that throws kind of everything out the window because now we're sitting here and it, it, that doesn't even sound like he's going to be gone next year. And it's, and from what um, John Kuhn was saying, it sounds like they're, they're trying to work something out and it sounds like that they will be able to, because Rogers wants to, it's, he was saying to be in green Bay until about the age of 40. So at least three more years. And if he loves being a Packer, it sounds like Rogers is definitely okay with staying there. And whoever keeps leaking all of this information about Rogers said this, Rogers said that, whatever it may be, I, I don't think it's Rogers at this point. Like it's gotta be somebody else who's trying to push Rogers out of green Bay. Like they have their own agenda. That's how this whole thing is starting to feel for me. It does not really make sense that this is all being leaked like this, but then somebody who's close to Aaron Rodgers is coming out and saying like, no man, I, you know, I think there's a good chance he's going to be there. And it sounds like he's willing to, to hash things out and kind of settle things out with them. If they can get a good deal, that's, you know, good for both sides and everything. So what are we all doing here? Talking about like talking about this, then it, it's clear to me that at this point, you know, leading up to the draft, things can get pretty dry. Uh, you know, as somebody who's new into this whole like NFL media world thing, I, I've definitely experienced that over the offseason so far. Like I kind of kicked myself in the nuts kicking off my show literally two weeks before the season ended. But I, but it's been good for me because it's helped me really learn how to like grind through and put together stuff for you guys. So, I mean, at this point, we're looking at two options here. Either Green Bay is going to be able to sort things out and what John Kuhn is saying is probably more accurate than anything else. It sounds like he's had some really good conversation with Rodgers and, and Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay next year. And you know what? If they can sort that out, good. I'm glad because this has been a mess and this would be really unfortunate if this is how Rodgers finished his career in Green Bay and then ended up being shipped out somewhere else. Or... Come June 1st, when the salary cap flips over to the next year, uh, Rodgers is going hit, to hit for like $14 million in dead money if he gets traded. I mean, the Green Bay Packers can flip him for like three, maybe, you know, three first rounders and like a second or a third on top of that or a fourth or, you know, a handful of picks. So Aaron Rodgers is going to command some serious compensation if he's getting traded. And someone like Denver or Las Vegas will probably be the ones willing to pull a trigger on that. Uh, and I think for Denver, their team is so good that they would be willing to part with like three, maybe even four first round picks to pull in Rodgers if they were just going to like kind of mortgage the future draft to, to be able to pull him in and run with the team they have there and maybe pull for another championship with another veteran QB like they did with Manning. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. This whole situation is annoying. I cannot wait for it to be done. I hate how I've let off my last three shows talking about this. Uh, you know, last Thursday when the draft was rolling through, I was so excited to talk about things and the Rogers story broke and it was fresh and it was new. And now it's just like nothing, but he said, she said, you know, and it's, it's getting really old. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Please let me know. But this is starting to get pretty old. If you ask me now, 
kicking the Rodgers drama aside, this was something that I thought was pretty interesting here. If you're looking to my left right now, we have an image that everyone knows. I don't think anyone has not seen this image. This is DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker during a, a 90-yard interception return here. Uh, I did not know this, and I found out as I was putting together today's show. Apparently, after this happened, the USA track and field team reached out to him on Twitter in kind of just like a, a friendly manner, and they were just like, hey, you know, would you be interested in trying out for the 100-meter dash for our team? Well, apparently, he has gone out and actually called them out on their bluff, and he actually wants to go and see if he can qualify for the Olympics. Uh, for those of you that maybe do, are not in the loop of the Olympics, maybe not follow along uh the olympics got pushed back from last year they were supposed to be tokyo 2020 and so obviously with the whole global situation did not happen last year it's planned to be happening uh happening this year so apparently metcalf posted a video on twitter of him just kind of walking past the camera and dropping his football cleats right on a track and the date May 9th appeared on the screen. So May 9th, he's apparently going to be running his qualifier. Now, some of the numbers I was able to pull when I looked through some of the articles talking about the story, DK Metcalf topped out at 22.64 miles per hour when he was chasing down Buda Baker. He was running almost like a mile and then some faster than Buda Baker was per hour when he was hurtling, when he's hurtling down the field to catch him. Uh, apparently if he clears 10.05 seconds in the hundred meter dash, he's automatically qualified, but he needs to run at least like a 10.2 roughly to be able to like have even like a shot to get in. Um, and I guess like the math on it based off the 2264 was he would be done in like 9.88 seconds. That's if he ran the whole hundred meters, you know, start to finish full speed, obviously not going to be the case. You have to account for like a couple seconds of him picking up speed, but if he ran 22.64 miles per hour, top speed in that chase, going after Buda Baker, and he was wearing pads, a helmet, you know, he was all that that was going up against him. I think DK Metcalf has a strong case, man. I mean, he's a freak of an athlete. This dude has like a 40 plus inch vertical, the, you know, 4.3 speed for somebody his size. The guy is an absolute monster. I'm all for it. I would love to see DK Metcalf representing Team USA. I think that would be absolutely bananas, but also just something really cool to see like the NFL being a part of as well, getting a player in there and running the 100 meter dash along some of those Olympians, you know, like who would have thought that, you know, a, a football player is just going to jump in one day and be joining the ranks of these Olympians who spend, you know, their entire lives essentially preparing for stuff like this. And he's just going to waltz in a football player and maybe even make the team. I, that's crazy to me, but it would be really cool to see. I'm game for it. Uh, I believe, what was it, May 9th, I said, is when he's supposed to be running it. So at least that's what I'm assuming based off the date he posted in the video. So keep an eye on that. May 9th is like three days from now. So what is that, Sunday? What is today? Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Yeah, Sunday he's supposed to be running, I guess. That's when it's going to be. I don't know. Keep an eye on his Twitter. See what he ends up posting. I'm very interested. He's, you know, he's, he's gone through like the details with the USA like committee for the track and field team. So they kind of laid everything out explain to him in detail what it is that he needs to do to be able to kind of put himself in a position to actually do a legitimate qualification run for it. So very interesting stuff. I'm excited to see how that turns out this Sunday. I really hope that's when he's going to be running it because I'll definitely be checking it out and seeing how it goes for him. Now, somebody I wanted to talk about, or a team rather that I would like to talk about next, uh, the Lions. Now, I did not know this up until today 
The Lions are building an absolute unit on the offensive line. For those of you that did not know, today, Frank Ragno, their center, signed a four-year extension with the team worth just under seven, excuse me, seven, seventy million dollars, forty-two million guaranteed. I think it's like twenty-five point five million is guaranteed on signing, so pen to paper. Uh, the extension is through twenty twenty-six. It's an NFL record for centers. He is the highest paid. He beat out Corey Lindsley by like, um, I think it was like roughly a, a million per year on average. So I think a total worth is probably a, you know a few million more than what Corey Lindsley's getting paid for. Uh, at this point now. The Lions are looking at three first-round picks in their offensive line. They have offensive tackle Panay Suel that they just drafted in this year's draft. They have Taylor Decker, and then on top of that, we have Frank Ragno. I am somebody that I am a huge offensive line guy. I'm a Colts fan personally, and for me, seeing what Indianapolis has built with that offensive I mean, wall, not even line, offensive wall that they have there, I'm all for building around the offensive line. The Lions have caught a lot of flack for, you know, the, the hiring of their head coach. Some people don't think that they can take him seriously, whatever it may be. And on top of that, you know, the Lions have always taken a lot of dirt for, you know, being a, a less than great organization in the NFL. And it really feels like they might be starting to put the pieces together. We saw the excitement during the draft. They were ecstatic to be able to pull in Penny Suel at number seven. I, for one, did not think he was making it outside of the top five. And the fact that he was able to fall to them at number seven was an absolute blessing to them. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to building a legitimate threatening offense in the NFL. It's got to start with the offensive line. I do not care who's throwing the football. We all saw what happened during that Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers ate Patrick Mahomes alive. Why? Because he had no legitimate starters, essentially. I think what was it? The, missing both tackles. Their left guard was rated like 54.9 or something like that on PFF scale. So, I mean, that's like, that's literally an F. An F. So, I mean, at that point, you're looking at, what, two legitimate starters? I mean, and on top of that, the line is so young. The, their oldest player is Decker at 27, who's starting on the line. I mean, talk about building for the future. All these guys are signed into, like, 2024 or beyond that's going to be starting for this team. I'm impressed with, the, with what the Lions are doing. You, you know, successful offenses start around the offensive line. You know, they've obviously lost some key pieces. You know, Matthew Stafford's no longer there. They traded out for Jared Goff. Who knows how that's going to actually turn out. But being behind such a stout offensive line, maybe that helps Goff. Uh, you know, they did they did pick up a wide receiver in the draft. I don't remember his name off the top of my head in the fourth round. But, you know, so they, they're... They've done a little bit here and there to kind of at least start steering the ship in the right direction. They've brought in some somewhat quality players, too, through free agency. Uh, I'm excited to see how the Lions end up turning out. This really does feel like the fresh start that they've needed. You know, Matthew Stafford feels like he's been drowning trying to carry that team for the last nine years that he was there. So being able to hit the full reset button, but be able to not only keep strong pieces on the offensive line, but add a top-tier talent like Panay Suel to it, and you, you set yourself up to have this unit until 2020 for at least I mean that's that's a that's a recipe for success right there you start building around that offensive line they have DeAndre Swift there if Jared Goff can play really well the Lions can be a sneaky you know probably people are probably looking at the Lions like four 
four and 13. I keep forgetting that there's 17 games that like was, I had to force that off my tongue, but like four and 13, maybe five and 12, whatever it's going to be for them next year. I think that this is a team that could get close to like that either right under or below the 500 mark. Obviously 500 is not a thing. So you're either right above or below now, but that's definitely something that I don't think could be out of the realm of impossible for them. It, you know, it, 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 the defense will be a question, you know, it, it, but the offense Fairly well-rounded is what I would say. Fairly well-rounded, especially with that strong offensive line. I'm excited to see how that line looks because me, I'm a big fan of strong offensive line pay. I love watching Quentin Nelson rock people every Sunday. So interested in seeing how things turn out for the Detroit Lions going forward. Now, moving on from the Detroit Lions, a little uh, piece that I picked up about the Colts here. So for my Colts fans out there, shout out to you guys. We'll talk about this real quick. Uh, Carson Wentz sounds like things are going really well with him over in Indy. He's been there now for like, I think about a month and a half, roughly since the trade was official and he was able to go out there and start working with the team. Um, GM Chris Ballard just recently told Colin Coward that the reason they were, you know, so confident in Wentz basically stemmed from what happened with Philip Rivers last year and his relationship with Frank Reich. Uh, essentially when Philip Rivers came in, he had the, you know, he had the already like somewhat of a rapport with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. And so he kind of came in, stepped in, seamless transition. You know, things worked out really well. They made it to 11 and five. They hit a playoff spot, you know, all, all the good things. They, they damn near won the division, bringing in a brand new quarterback in the first year. Um, and it, apparently it sounds like things are kind of moving along in that same fashion with Carson Wentz. Obviously, him working with Frank Reich in Philadelphia and having such a good relationship with Frank Reich is only going to help the whole situation. I know a lot of people were really down on um, Carson Wentz, and I'm going to even go ahead and be honest and say myself included coming off of this past season. And, you know, after seeing him have, he did an interview with uh, Pat McAfee on his show a few weeks. Was this like, I want to say like three, four, maybe five weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit over a month ago. Um, it, it kind of shed some light on the person that he is. A lot of people really painting him as like, you know, a broken down guy. That's just, you know, maybe he doesn't have it anymore, but it sounds really like he just needed to get the hell out of Philadelphia. And the more I look at it, the more I really just start to point the finger at Philadelphia and say, okay, I don't think the problem's really with us. I think it's, I, I think it's over there in Philly. And I think we, we kind of pulled Carson Wentz out of the problem. So I'm excited to see how it works out. Uh, you know, the, the Colts offense is looking really good. We came out of the draft pretty def defensive heavy, in my opinion. You know, the first two picks going there with the DNs, uh, I like that because it addresses a need, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit later, uh, kind of sneak peek of what we're talking about uh, towards the end of the show. But um, the, uh, they have the left tackle position that still needs to be filled. It sounds like Chris Ballard all along has kind of been toying with the idea of bringing in a veteran rather than actually going after one in the draft. They brought in Eric Fisher for a visit. Uh, for me, personally, you know, if Eric Fisher can return to form coming off his torn Achilles, I'm all for him coming into Indy. Like, hell yeah, dude. Because having Eric Fisher paired up next to Quentin Nelson, paired up next to Ryan Kelly with Braden Smith on the right tackle side. And I mean, dude, <laughs> hell yeah, all day, every day. Carson Wentz will be cooking from the grill, legs kicked up literally doing nothing all day in that pocket because I mean, he's just going to be chilling there. There's, there's no way people are going to be getting to him with such a stout offensive line like that. I'm all for it. So that's exciting for me. Uh, and then one other quick piece of Colts news before we move off from the Colts, uh, the Colts apparently announced today that they have signed first round selection quitty pay, uh, to his, uh, NFL contract. So he is the first round one selection to sign his rookie deal. So excited to see that our rookies are already get, I think it's what now five of the, uh, 
we have six picks altogether. I actually, I have it written on the back over here. What is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, five of the seven picks have already signed their rookie contracts there. So exciting stuff. Sounds like the Colts have things moving along. Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, they all sound like they're feeling pretty positive on Carson Wentz. I'm starting to feel more and more better about it as a fan as we get closer and closer to the season. And I'm really excited to see how this offense hums once we actually hit that first week of the NFL season. Now, one last thing before we do a little bit of a draft grade breakdown here. Uh, this was pretty interesting to me, and I'm a pretty big advocate for this because of personal experiences. The Pro Football Hall of Fame has announced the Hall of Fame Behavioral Health Program. This is awesome. Their mission statement that I was able to pull from the article on NFL.com is to make mental and behavioral health services that meet the Hall of Fame standards of excellence easily accessible and available to not only Hall of Famers, but every player of this game, the people who support them and the kids dreaming about one day playing in the league. This is something that I think has been a long time coming. Darius Leonard and the Colts have kind of been very vocal about this within the last few weeks, starting up a whole program there. And, you know, this is something that I think it's good because the, the stigma around being an athlete is you're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to be rigid. You're not supposed to let those like smaller things get to you, whatever it may be. So for me personally, you know, as somebody who has dealt with my own issues here and there, I'm excited to see the NFL putting this on like a grand scale. They are such a big conglomerate, you know, that be, you know, stepping up and putting together something like this is monumental. It's, I mean, Hopefully that with something like this, you see the other big leagues start to follow suit. Mental health is something that needs to start to get like needs to start being focused on literally yesterday. It's something that we've kind of fallen behind on as a society and we need to really pick it up and get back up on uh, some of the ambassadors, some pretty notable, noticeable, uh, noticeable, notable names on there. Hall of Fame President David Baker, Hall of Famers Ronnie Lott, Brian Dawkins, Steve Atwater, Andre Reed and Tim Brown are on the committee. On top of that, um, Adrian Peterson and Kalias Campbell are also on there as well. And then this was a statement coming from them kind of explaining what the program is supposed to be. The Hall of Fame Behavioral Health will offer an easy-to-use concierge call center and crisis line to match treatment and counseling services with a vetted and accredited premier network of 12 service providers across the country from Baltimore to Tucson. The providers are trained to deal with such issues as post-career transitions because that's one of the things that affects players so much as you go from being in the spotlight, literally from, because if you're in the NFL, odds are you're a top-tier athlete your whole life. You are in the spotlight from childhood to that last day when you step off the field and you announce your retirement. That's got to be a wild transition from having the camera on you all the time to you're literally now just a regular person like everybody else. Like, yeah, you have accolades and a career behind you, but you know, you're not being followed the way you were on top of that uh identity issues addiction issues you know which you know we don't need to get into the conversation of painkiller issues with sports in any manner um performance anxiety mindfulness and also just the culture of sports altogether so this is something that i'm really you know I, I, it's it's great to see the nfl take a step like this this is something that i think is is long overdue and something that some of those bigger corporations really need to get into and start firing back with and you know kind of helping these people that are in such high up positions who have been told their entire lives to, you know, kind of swallow their pain and play through it all just to, you know, for the successes and whatnot. And, you know, you should feel grateful that you're here, you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever it is that has been said to people on their way up to the mountaintop there. I'm very, very excited to see how that works out for some of these players. Cause I know we've seen in the past players that have struggled and some pretty gruesome things have happened. You know, we don't need to speak on all that, but you know, we've seen some of the, the repercussions of what happens with players leaving the NFL and, you know, the, the trauma and the pain, pain and suffering that they deal with 
post career. It's it's not good, and I'm excited to see that the league is finally doing something to kind of help prevent these issues that we've come across over the years. Now, to wrap up the show, because that's pretty much everything I have for news for you guys. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, so my first post-draft grade I'm going to be doing on the Indianapolis Colts. I'm excited to do this. Um, me and uh, Nick, one of the other members of the show, we're going to be talking about, uh, I believe, the Patriots over the coming days. We're going to do that as well, so that'll be coming out for you guys next. My plan is to, to kind of slowly work through the teams. I don't really have a deadline for when I want to have all of these done, but I will be doing them, so... Let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. First, we'll just talk about them, and then I'll give you my final grade. Uh, so in round one, picking up DN Quiddipay, uh, I love this pick. He's the highest-rated uh, DN by PFF. You know, he was at the top of their board there. Um, he addresses a huge need for the team. He's, a, I think, a day-one starter. This is a guy that, you know, hopefully can replace the eight sacks that we lost in Justin Houston, who went out into free agency and has not found his way back into any team yet, but more specifically the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we lost those eight sacks there, so I'm hoping that Quiddy Pay can either replace or even improve on that eight-sack number, maybe bring us double digits, something like that. We need a legitimate edge rusher. That is probably the second-biggest need on the team that was going into the draft and we were not able to go after not only one but we got two because in round two we got Deo Odeyengbo D end uh he's currently injured at the moment he just got injured I believe the injury was in um it's either January or February where he hurt himself. So he was somebody that was pegged to be a first rounder before the injury happened. So this is a guy that literally the Colts probably would not have been able to get other otherwise if this injury had not happened. So unfortunate for him, but it kind of lucked out for Indy. Pretty excited about that. Uh, you know, he's, he's a legitimate talent. He's really good. Uh, the biggest knocks that I found on him were that his production didn't necessarily match his physical skill set. He's a really big guy. He's imposing 276 pounds, 6'6". He's a monster of a guy. Uh, and people would just kind of question the lack of like production in terms of getting to the quarterback, those sack numbers. Um, I believe like I saw like five for last year, three the year before, and maybe five the year prior to that, or maybe it was three again. I'm mixing up the numbers. But obviously not as many sacks as you would expect from a guy that's 6'6", 276, playing D-end. You know, he, he has a little bit of quickness to him. He's a versatile guy, but his production will remain to be seen in how he bounces back from this injury. But this is a guy that I thought was a steal for the second round because he was able to fall to us so far down into the second round there. Uh, the fourth round pick, Kyle Granson, tight end. I was not happy with this pick initially until I did a little bit of digging into it. And I feel better about the pick. I still don't know how I feel about the pick, but I definitely don't feel as negatively about it. Uh, he had 35 catches last year, uh, 536 yards, five touchdowns. He did drop five passes on 56 of the targets that he did have thrown his way. So a little bit of butterfingers there. That's something that we'll kind of have to keep an eye on. But his route tree was really strong. He was asked to do a lot at SMU. He's a little bit undersized, but this is kind of one of those more like smaller athletic tight ends, like somebody like Jared Cook, who is, I think, I think he's only like 6'2", 6'3", so roughly around that same frame, you know, more athletic, more maneuverable, can play like the slot, things like that, where he's not necessarily a prototype tight end. He's more of like the smaller, more athletic, versatile types of tight ends. Uh, so this is something that we've kind of been missing since Eric Ebron's been gone. And, you know, we've kind of been looking for since Dallas Clark. We, you know, the Colts drafted Colby Fleener and Dwayne Allen years back when we got Andrew Luck and that whole thing never really worked out. And that was kind of supposed to be like our Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, one-two punch type deal. That never really worked out. In the fifth round, we drafted uh, Sean Davis, a safety. I don't really expect him to be much of an impact player. I mean, we have Julian Blackman and um, 
Kari Willis. So he's probably going to be just more of like a rotational guy playing that third safety spot. He's not going to be on the field as often. Uh, then in the sixth round, Sam Ellinger, quarterback out of Texas. I like this pick because it doesn't seem like they're too, too high on Jacob Eason from what I've seen. And, you know, at this point, the Carson Wentz thing is still a question mark until we actually see some production from him on the field. So bringing in somebody who has four years worth of starting experience, he has like 1600 and some odd snaps as a starter. Uh, you know, that that's good. He's also very good at protecting the football. Not a lot of turnovers. His turnover worthy plays was a really low number off the top of my head. I cannot remember. And I forgot to write it down, but um, the biggest knock to him is that running is kind of like his game or a big piece of his game. And he's not really athletic enough to be a scrambling quarterback in the NFL. And the worry is that he's going to bail out of the pocket too often when he shouldn't be because, you know, obviously a, a pocket in the NFL is going to be different from a pocket collapsing in the college ranks. And that might be something that hurts his game a little bit, but a solid project nonetheless. So I'm glad that we have somebody else there competing for snaps, at the backup position behind Carson. Uh, wide receiver Mike Strahan's a big body dude. You know, we have Michael Pittman who kind of, he started to emerge a little bit here and there, showed some flashes last season, but this is just another big bodied receiver that, you know, I'm I'm all for it. I really like big receivers. You know, when you look at people like Julio Jones, obviously they're more like freak of nature athletes, DK Metcalf, Michael Strahan, uh, Mike Strahan, excuse me. You know, he should be, he should be solid. You know, I don't expect him to, to be, again, an impact player right off the rip. He could be a surprise emergent player. He's a little bit faster than the pro, the pro time that he had. I believe he, he was like put at like, I, I forget what the pro speed number was that he clocked in at, but it was like, I think it was like four, four or like four, five, two. And he's supposedly supposed to be able to run a sub 4-4 is what he said. So if that's the case and he's as big as he is and actually that quick, that's dangerous. And that's what we need. We need a big bodied guy, but also a fast guy that's big and bodied and has a big catch radius. That's what I think the Colts are really lacking right now at the wide receiver position. And then the very last pick we got, Will Fries, offensive lineman, very versatile. He played every single position except for center on the offensive line. Um, you know, he had a really, he, he showed progression every single year through college, peaking in his final year there before he got drafted this year um you know so he's played guard tackle on left side right side and that's kind of like a that's such a Colts mo for drafting an offensive lineman late in the draft is getting versatility out of their offensive lineman someone that can plug and play whenever there's an injury at any pretty much any position on the offensive line obviously center is kind of a more specific spot you wouldn't really do that with any lineman unless they have experience at the center position but he can literally plug in and replace any single guy that gets hurt at any point during the season and it's not going to be like a pray to god he does well you know it's going to be like a okay this could potentially work out for us um and so as for my overall grade on the draft um i like what the colts did i'm even though it sounds like they want to go veteran at left tackle for the colts uh i was still really hoping that we would go after somebody like derisaw or whoever it may be uh, that you know sam cosme was another guy that i had pegged at the colts so that would have been a really awesome pickup for them as well uh i'm going to give the colts a solid b I, you know, I was thinking maybe B plus, but I think B is really good because they have some really solid picks here. I'm a really big fan of the real Will Fries pick like that's offensive line depth. And again, I'm an offensive line guy. I love to see it. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a solid B. I think that works out really well for them. Um, you know, obviously remains to be seen pure speculation, but just based off paper value and kind of what I'm seeing based off of their college, you know, grades and everything like that. 
B sounds pretty good to me. I'd love to know what you Colts fans think if you're watching this video. Uh, but that's pretty much it for the show. I appreciate everyone who sat through and listened to me ramble on for the last uh, 35 minutes or so. A little bit slower day uh, here. There's not really a ton of news to talk about. We're kind of rolling through a really boring part of the offseason. So I'll be kind of scrambling to see what I do as far as content goes. I'll probably be doing shows more focused on draft grades and things like that. Um, but as a reminder, question of the day. Who do you think is going to be playing week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, I have a strong feeling it's going to be the Buffalo Bills in that Thursday night slot week one. Very interested to see what the game ends up being. It's always a barn burner. They always try to pick you know a really solid team to play those defending Super Bowl champions. So Tampa Bay Buffalo is probably going to be what I think is going to happen. Um, and as reminders, always check out Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our social media pages. And then you know if um, yeah, if you listen to podcasts, things like that, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those places. Uh, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. But without holding you guys up anymore on this Thursday afternoon, appreciate you all for watching. We'll catch you same time, Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Have a good rest of your week and weekend, everybody. I'll catch you later.